1: American Broadcasting Company presents Quiet, Please, which is written and directed by Willis Cooper and which features Ernest Chappell. Quiet, Please, for today is called, And Jeannie Dreams of Me. There were always the trees, the tall great oaks and the solemn cypresses. The distant weeping willows and the holly trees beside the pathway, spreading their sturdy arms, flaunting their green and red in the twilight. And the tall columns of the house gleaming whitely beyond the trees. I remember the silence, too. The dusky silence that lay always about the place. The silence that was always there when the dream began. The silence that dissolved to the music as I hurried up the long, winding pathway toward the tall white house that waited for me. For the earnest little boy in Knickerbockers that I once was. For the haggard young soldier in muddy battle that with myself five years ago. For the unhappy, bewildered man I am today. I have no remembrance of a time when a dream is not a part of my life. And I know the trees and the path and the house better than I know the streets of the city I live in. In all the years, they have not changed. They seem change, but they remain timeless and always the same. New dream, friend. I know a man who remembers a road from his dreams. A pleasant country road that wends its dusty way past broad, smiling fields and along the skirts of a lofty green forest. A road that speaks to him of memories unremembered. The road that promises and beckons on over the next hillside, and wavers and fades and vanishes in the cold darkness as he opens his eyes, and comes again another night to soothe his spirit, so that he smiles and his sleep and wakes to weep silent and alone for his lost dreams. Be a dream of long-forgotten friends, of a hillside under the clouds, of an island in a sunlit sea. Do you know the desperate longing to return to the dream place, the hopeless nostalgia for the world that lies beyond the curtain of sleep? And do you ever return? Listen to me. But so perhaps we are king. I was ten, I think, that time I came into the front room where Mother was sitting at the piano. She turned when she heard me wild at me. And I said, Mother, I want to ask you a question.
2: May oh, I ask you a question,
3: Mother? Why, of course you may, Joy.
2: Mother, I want to know about a music.
3: A music? A song, you mean?
2: I guess it's a song. What about it? I want to know if you know the name
3: of it. I don't know, son. Can you play it for me?
2: Well, I'll... Uh, well, i <laughs> Here is. What? What's that? the name of it, Mark?
3: That's yeah. called Jimmy with a light brown hair.
2: How oh, like
3: it. What did you ever hear? I don't think I ever claimed it.
2: How did you hear it? My dream. Huh? I dream about it.
3: I've heard of you first, dear. In my dream, I told you. What was the dream about here, besides the music?
2: I dream the same dream all the time.
3: Tell Mother about it.
2: Well, I I walk up the pathway past the tree, and pretty soon I hear the music. And then I go up to the house. Our house? No, it's a great big high house. And there's big high things that hold up the court. And it's a And it's... Trees are different. How are they different? I never saw that kind before. There are some trees that the, that the leaves and little red berries grow on. It's that we have the leaves in the window of Christmas. Holly? Yeah. Yes, I guess that's what it is. Holly. Honey, I, I go up to the big door and I try to open it. But it's locked and I can't open it. And I have to open it, Mother. Why, dear? Why do you have to open it? Why, because I know there's somebody in there. There's somebody that wants to see me.
3: What makes you some sad, Troy?
2: Wow. I don't know, Mother. I just know.
3: Who do you suppose it might be? Well,
2: who may be a dream, Mother. That's
3: very strange, Troy. You dream of being dream a lot?
2: Every time I go to sleep, I think. Don't
3: you have any other
2: dreams? Oh, yes, but they're not much. This one I like, kind of. But I wish I could open the door and find you.
3: Dear, I don't know what. Well, I was thinking, Mother, could you better get me a key? Oh, I'm You couldn't take a key into your dreams, did you?
2: I think I could if I had one.
3: I don't think so, dear. Really. I
2: think so.
3: What on makes you think so?
2: Well. What makes you
3: think so? Well,
2: I have dropped this box from the dream. Good. You know no, what was are Of course, Mother. How? See, I scratched my
1: finger when I broke it off the tree. Dr. Hogan said there was nothing wrong with me that fresh air in great quantities and plenty of wholesome food would not remedy. And for a time, the dream went away from me, and I could not conjure up the visions of the towering oaks and the rugged holly trees of the White House and the long, winding, graveled walk. There were nights when I caught a tortured view of the white pillars and the broad white steps, but hastened as I might, the picture faded before I could gain the torch, and I fell away in the deep, black, dreamless sleep of exhaustion. And always the haunting melody of Stephen Foster's song floated through my sleep. There was never any key to unlock the door, either. And I resigned myself to an endless dream of frustration in which I must struggle endlessly to reach the one I love and never find her. For I knew Jeannie was there. And I hoped... And still the dream came and went. I might sleep peacefully undisturbed for a night, for two nights, a week. And then... the key. It was a time when young men found out their world to be a troubled one, when wars and rumors of wars weighed heavily on our youth. And I, with all the young men, felt the inevitability of tragedy. My mother, remembering the day a quarter of a century ago when my father went away, fell ill, brooding on the bitter destiny that was to take her son from her. And nightly I sat huddled in an easy chair beside her bed, keeping that hopeless, hopeless, ghostly watch over the stricken that we humans dote upon. Another midnight I fell asleep, uneasily, And after a while in the darkness I thought I heard my mother speak my name. But I could not break the wretched bond of fatigue. It seemed to me that I was struggling through some horrid, hateful, dark swamp. The swamp seemed to be alive with voices that spoke my name in a blackness. Thus perhaps it was not my mother who spoke to me. And when I heard my name again, far right. clearer, I answered, not with my mother's name, but with the name of my beloved whom I had never seen, Jeannie. And magically the darkness dissolved, and behind me were the trees of the park, the tall oaks with the mistletoe clutching at their lofty branches, the distant weeping willow and the glossy holly trees. And I stood on the majestic porch of the White House before the great door. And there was a key in the lock. I do not think my hand trembled as I turned the key and opened the great door that led beyond my dreams. And she was there.
3: You found the key at last, Sister Detroit. Mm -hmm. I've been dreaming of you so long, darling. Jesus. When I was a little girl and you were a little boy, I dreamed of you in the old schoolhouse, the one with the red brick tower with the clock faces painted on all four sides. And the hands painted on, too, at half past eight. And there was another little girl. You brought her red cinnamon drops from the drugstore, remember? Her name was Ruth? Ruth. Yes, I remember. And I was so jealous of it, Troy. That was the first time you dreamed of this place. I knew you were here, but you couldn't unlock the door.
1: You dreamed of me?
3: I dreamed of you the time you brought the holly branch back to your mother and learned my name from her.
1: And wanted her to give me the keys.
3: I know all about you, darling. I've watched you in my dreams all over years. Do you remember the cancer, trip? When was it? Three years ago? Three years ago. I remember. When you stood on that little headland above the lake and watched the sunrise all alone that morning. And what you see. And you thought there was nobody to you. I
1: said, I wish Jeannie could be here with me.
3: And you said, when will I ever see you, Jeannie? I remember. And I was there beside try to my dream. And now at last you found the king. I found you. Oh, Jeannie. my dream. Will we do?
1: This is a dream.
3: Is it a dream, sir? Or is it your other life that's a dream?
1: My other life?
3: That's a dream, to me. Oh, try to stay here with me. Yes, but I can't. I know I can't. Why? I can't. We'd walk through the woods every day, and I your places, secret places that we could have for our own. And, and there's the house. And... Oh,
1: I want to stay more than anything else in the world, I've dreamed of you for so long.
3: And I've dreamed of you, Troy, remember? But this is a
1: dream. I'm asleep in a chair beside my mother. My mother's ill. Stay. No. I'm afraid, you. I waited so long...
3: Stay. But my mother... Your mother's dead, Troy. What did you say? Your mother's dead.
1: And I was awake again, in my mother's room. And Jeannie had told me the truth. While I dreamed, while I kissed Jeannie, I stood up and something dropped from my lap to the floor. I see a great old-fashioned brass key that I had last seen in the lock of the door of the house where lived. The day my mother was buried, that was the day I was drafted. It was perhaps as well. It kept me from brooding over her. All my personal problems were swept aside in the swift enterprise of becoming a soldier. No, I didn't dream of Jeannie for a long time. And then one night during the maneuvers in Tennessee in a bivouac like on a windy hill. I came wearily back to my sorry bed, and as I drifted off to sleep, a sudden thought crept into my mind. I wondered if you is dreaming of me now. And instantly I was walking up the long curving path to the old house, in my dirty petite clothes carrying my rifle to the clay. The heavy old key at the bottom of my hand. I unlocked the door and I called, Jeannie! And the door was flung open. George! Sure. No, go! Why, Jeannie? No, no, don't kiss me, no, no, go! But what is it, Jeannie? I
2: don't know, I tell you, go! Quick, quick!
1: And she seized my arm and shook me. And I awoke back on the Tennessee hillside. Just in time, to roll frantically out from under the crest of a roaring tank that had come crashing blindly through the woods and over the spot where I'd been asleep and dreaming. There was no more sleep, no more dreaming for me that night. There was no more dreaming of Jeannie for a long, long time. Jeannie dreamed of me. I know she did. For she told me so again. That was when I was in North Africa. That night I fell asleep and I dreamed first I remember of the old schoolhouse with a painted clock, a little girl named Ruth, the one I used to buy the cinnamon drops for. And in the dream, Ruth was angry at me for something I couldn't figure out until she stamped her foot when I picked up her books to carry them home and she cried out at me, No! You let me alone! Home. You go find Jeannie! And I was unlocking the great door again.
0: Troy.
3: Oh, Troy, I've got great news for you.
1: It's so wonderful to see
3: you. I've seen you every single day. I've worried about you getting so thin, not having enough to eat and the fighting and everything. They were horrible dreams I've
1: hoped every night I'd dream of you.
3: I wanted you to so bad. But I suppose I wasn't strong enough for something.
1: Is it you that makes me dream of you, Jamie?
3: Yes, of course. And now you
1: have the key. Yes. Yes, I have the key.
3: I'm sorry about that, Troy. But it's the only way. I can't help
1: you. I love my mother. Yes, dear, I know. But you wanted
3: to find me. Yes. Do you love me?
1: Would you ask that? Oh,
3: Troy, I wanted you to come back so badly.
1: What did you mean about not being strong enough?
3: I couldn't make you dream of me until somehow or other you dreamed of that little girl you were in love with when you were a child. That... that little... Ruth.
1: Yes, I remember. But... but what does that have to do with it? Why, I don't know exactly. You
3: remember what happened to
1: her? Why, she died, if I remember.
3: Yes, that's right. She died. About the time you started dreaming.
1: But I don't understand.
3: That's all there is, good You're here now. Yes. Kiss me and I'll tell you the wonderful
1: news. Oh, I've dreamed of this for so long. Hmm. Hmm.
3: <sighs> now, aren't you tired of the dreadful war? Well, I'm sick to death of it. I know. I've heard you say to that man with the red face, What's this,
1: ma'am? Yes, Charlie?
3: I heard you say just last week that you'd give anything, do anything, that the war would just stop. Yes, I did. I said more than that. I know you I heard you.
1: Dean, you can't imagine the stinking horror of it. You've seen debasing. I'm oh, sorry.
3: Yes, I can imagine it, Charlie. I know it very well. I've dreamed of it. I know the day when your captain was killed. Yes. And you tried to pull him out of the house track.
1: I'd give anything to be out of it. But it's got to be done.
3: You said you'd give a leg.
1: That's what I said to Jack, wasn't it?
3: Yeah.
1: I don't know. And what's the good you news you have for me?
3: You're going to stay this time. I can You've got both your legs, you. What do you... Early tomorrow morning is going to be noon. A bomb is going to fall on the building where you sleep. Me? I know, so You can't go back. How do you? You're going to stay here with me and be happy with me forever, Troy. But I can't. You won't wake up for months and months and months, maybe never. Isn't that the most wonderful news?
1: Am I going to die?
3: You're going to live. But I've got to go back. You can't go back, Troy. I can. I...
1: I will. I, I can be awake and get the others out of that building in time. They wouldn't believe you, Dad. Yes, they...
3: Of course they wouldn't. And you don't want to die, do you?
1: Why do you say that?
3: If you go back, you might die again. No. Stay here. Stay here with me and be happy and you'll never know anything about it. No pain, no lying in the hospital for long, long months, suffering, trying to dream of me and... Never finding me. Don't you see, But I can't. I can't believe. It was hard to believe the dream, of things, wasn't it? Well, but. Believe in me, Troy. I love you. I've loved you ever so long. And I'll always love you. I. And I'll do anything to keep you. Uh,
1: I won't feel any pain. I won't. Lose my leg?
3: Yeah? No, Troy. Here is only you and I. He and Troy. And. and love of the life. But I don't know whether I. There isn't anything you can do about it.
1: Four years. Four long years of. But shall I call it? There must be a word for that kind of life. If it is life. Jeannie told me her dreams sometimes.
3: The doctor said the patient hasn't been very Not in all the years. And
1: here the great lawn was green and the scent of magnolias was cloying, overpoweringly
3: sweet. pain. And
1: here I looked into the clear blue eyes of Jeannie. Her light brown hair was a magic spell to me. Sometimes
3: he green and then they give him more And here there is no
1: pain, no sorrow. Only the magnolias, cloyingly sweet. And Jean.
3: The doctor said the patient talks sometimes in his sleep, and he calls a name. In
1: my dream here, I call your name.
3: And we shall live happily ever after.
1: But what if I... What if I die in my sleep, Jean?
3: Then I'll die too.
1: Will I go back there to die, Jean?
3: Why not we speak of dying, dear child? Tell me you love.
1: And so the long days and the peaceful nights went by. While in another world men fought and murdered each other, had no thought of another world that might be a world of dreams, and then might not be. For which is the real one? I found myself as the endless days and nights went by, wondering and secretly wishing for the other world I had left behind for my dream of genius. I stood under the high pediment of the porch and watched the sun set in magnificence beyond the rolling, forest-clad hills. And I thought of another sunset, a sunset at the end of a dusty, grubby city street with smoke griming the tawdry buildings. And I knew homesickness. I thought of a sunset past a frozen lake in wintertime, and the long shadows on the snow and the shouts of gay youngsters. And in my mind's eye, I saw a man standing, watching the skaters on the lake. A man with stooped shoulders, a thin, beaten man. With a crutch instead of a right leg. And my heart turned over with that pain. I thought... I thought of the goodness of pain. And the happy bitterness that other men might know. And of work. Harsh, straining labor and the good tiredness that comes at nightfall. And again, of a bed in a hospital somewhere and doctors puzzling over a man who had slept for five years or more. While I pleasured myself in a country of dreams and the love of Jesus. And heartily I wished myself away from this peace and contentment and love.
3: I'll let you go, I'll let you go for just as long as you want to stay. Take the key, Trey. Drop the door. Leave the key in the door so you'll find it when you come back. Because you will come back, You think you want the world again, but you won't. I've seen you, Trey, remember? In my dreams, I can dream of you any
1: time i want. You leave the key in the door, Troy. It'll be there when you're ready to come back. It's I awoke to intolerable pain. But I couldn't help laughing at the faces of the doctors and the nurses who trotted around. You'd think I'd risen from the dead. And maybe I had. But the pain... And when I looked down at the bed, I lay in. Yes, my right leg. Just as I'd imagined. And the doctors did things to me, so the pain went away a little, but it was always there. And I welcomed it. I suffered. But I was my own man again. And I did sleep, but I don't remember sleeping. I didn't dream. Then... Last week, they told me I was good enough to be transferred to another hospital where a great specialist was to treat me and make me well. And again, my heart turned over within me. For now, I was to live and be my own man forever. Jamie? Yes, I thought of her. Yes, I thought of her. The first time I thought of her was when I got in the airplane. I'd never been in an airplane before the second time I thought of her. Well, I'll tell you the dream in the airplane. The drone of the motor made me drown. And there were the trees again. And the tall white house and the winding path. I walked reluctantly up to the door. The key was still there. I opened the door and I called, Jeannie. And it was a long minute in the darkening hallway before I discovered her sprawled across the bottom steps of the huge stairway. Her eyes closed. I hurried to her and took her in my arms. Jeannie, Jeannie what's happened? Jeannie, darling,
3: try, Jeannie, try. Listen. Listen to
2: me. What is it, darling?
3: I'm dying. Oh, do I...
2: Excuse
3: me. Jim? Jim. No, no, darling. Listen. A door. Somebody. A door. What do you mean, darling? Don't... Don't go near me. A door. The man named McClintock
2: never knew
1: so I... And the whole scene wavered before my eyes, and there was a sound like thunder. And I'm here, sitting in the front seat on the right in an airplane full of people. What did she mean? And as the lighted sign above the door flashed on fastened seatbelts, I glanced up at the other little signs on the wall in front of me, stewardess of somebody, second officer, Harry, somebody, pilot, William J. McClintock. And the ship is moving strangely now. We're going down fast. Must be coming in for a landing. But the door... That's where the pilots are, where McClintock is. Smoke is coming out from under the door. The title of today's Quiet, Please story is And Jeannie Dreams of Me. It was written and directed by Willis Cooper. And the man who spoke to you was Ernest Chassett. And the mother was Anna Maud Morat. The voice of the little boy was that of Tara Fussell. Claudia Morgan. Say, Jeannie. Thank you for being with us, Mr. Capital. As usual, the music for Quiet Please is played by Albert Berman. Now, for the word about next week, here is our writer-director, Willis Cooper. Thank you for listening, to Quiet Please. My story for you next week is called The Good Ghost. And so until next week at the same time, I am quietly yours, Ernest Temple. And now, a listening reminder. Another dramatic tilt between law enforcement agencies and the forces of crime are waiting for you on David Harding Counter-Spy this afternoon. This is ABC, the American Broadcasting Company.